0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We're back to this series that we were doing as we led up into Christmas time, and we took a little break so that we could celebrate Christmas, but I want to get back to this series that we were doing called Through the Valley. And if you remember, we were talking about um, the kind of life's problems, the things that kind of show up in life that... um, we have to deal with kinda of have to navigate and I said you know when we got into this that the 23rd Psalm really offers a, a great deal of advice and an insight in how to deal with some of the things that we we go through and so that's kinda of where we are we're, we're getting back to that for the next three weeks there's an old Arab par- uh, parable that says all sunshine and no rain makes a desert so what what does that mean that that means in other words if, if you don't have any down times if you don't ever go through periods that stretch you if you don't ever go through something that's hard and difficult and, you know kinda makes you work a little bit then you're gonna be all dried up there will be no self-depth there will be no maturity there will be no poise you think about the people that you look up to especially Christians you think about the people that you look up to and that you want to be like one of the things probably that you see in those people. One of the things I've tried to make over in my kids, I don't know how good a job I've done, but one of the things that I was always trying to show my kids was, I want you to be poised. Be poised. And it's, you know, poised is one of the first things that leaves us when we hit crisis, and uh, I just have great respect for people who are able to maintain that in difficult times. It, it takes good times and bad times to make a mature person. Life is a mixture of Pain and pleasure, victory and defeat, success and failure, mountaintops and valleys. Today, I want to look at the antidote to dark valleys. The antidote to dark valleys. Psalm 23 says this, uh, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There, there actually is, I don't know if you know this or not, but there actually is a place in Israel known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. <clears throat> it is a canyon. It's very steep. Um, it's pretty deep, and it's very narrow. I, I don't know, I, I don't think it's as wide as our Grand Canyon, and I don't know uh, if you were to compare the two depth-wise. I don't know which one is deeper. But, but I know that this canyon over there is very narrow. And because of this, the sun's rays only reach to the bottom when it's high noon any other time the canyon is so deep and in places so narrow that the sun cannot penetrate and get all the way to the floor of the canyon um it's highly possible scholars think that that more than likely david spent some time either in or around this canyon this valley of the shadow uh, of of death that they called it and um he probably spent some time there as a shepherd with his sheep. He might have even led them through this particular thing, which would lead him to, to talk about it in one of his psalms. It, it comes as no surprise when you look at the Bible that the word valley is kind of a reference for rough times. It's, it's a reference for when things aren't going great. You know, we, 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 we come to Joshua and he talks about the valley of calamity. And then in the Psalms, we we hear about, in Psalm 84, it talks about the valley of weeping. Hosea talked about the valley of trouble. And then you come to this Psalm, and it talks about the valley of darkness. So the the question this morning is, how do I handle the dark valleys in life? So there are some things that I'm going to ask you to write down that I want you to remember And there are some things that you want to do when you're in the Dark Valley. First, let's talk about some things that you need to remember. I'm going to give you five of those this morning. The first one is this. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are inevitable. You can't avoid them. They're going to happen. In this room right now, everybody is either getting ready to go into a valley, you're in a valley, or you are emerging out of one, or you're just coming out of a valley because valleys... Um, happen in in life one after the other. You know we just kind of seem to go through this this stage where we're doing mountaintops and valleys, mountaintops and valleys, and and there's just no getting around it. You're going to have some great mountaintops in your life. You're going to have some times when you you know you're riding high and things are great, and then you're going to have some times when things aren't going so well. That's the reason we ask the question once in a while. How are you doing? Because you could be on the mountaintop, but you might very well be in the valley. And, and the thing is. Jesus did not try to hide this from us Uh, He he said in this world you will have trouble. It's gonna happen It's not a matter of if it's gonna happen. It's a matter of when it's gonna happen. It's going to happen There are gonna be times of suffering sorrow sickness Um, (laughs) My name's Brett. I'm your friend and I came to tell you the truth this morning, okay, so uh, That's the truth. There's just gonna be some times of frustration and failure And you're going to be fatigued from time to time. It's just all a part of normal life. So valleys are inevitable. Second thing I would tell you is this, and the news doesn't get much better. Valleys are unpredictable. They're unpredictable. You can't plan them. You can't time them or schedule them. Wouldn't it be nice if you could? Valleys are always unexpected. In the valley... The valley can happen at the absolute worst time. That's the problem with valleys Um, Valleys have a tendency to happen when you don't have the time and valleys tend to happen when you're least prepared for it Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a convenient flat tire? Have you ever had the flat tire at just the right time you walk out and go? Oh, this is great time for me to have a flat tire. No You're usually on the way somewhere you get you're in a hurry And you're getting ready to get in the car and you look down and there's the flat tire and you're and then you start you know giving it like oh here we go you know once again flat tire gee whiz you know i don't have time for this that's usually when you start shaking your fist and and looking at your watch and complaining and saying things you just you can't you can't plan for that kind of stuff wouldn't it be great if you could say next thursday between two and four that's when i'm going to stress out i'll just schedule it it'll be easier if i can just Put that on a certain day and kind of plan for it and get myself ready for it And then as I move into it, I can kind of navigate it a little better But you can't plan life like that life doesn't work like that valleys come suddenly Valleys are very unpredictable. Isn't it amazing? How quickly a good day can turn into a bad day? You get a phone call and a good day suddenly goes to a bad day I don't know how many times I've gotten a text message. I had plans. I was going to do this, get a text message. Oh, not doing that anymore. Change a plan. Got to do something different because because the circumstances just changed. Get an email. Good day goes from a good day to a bad day. Or, you know, you're you're just cruising along. It's a wonderful day. Then you go to your mailbox. You reach in. You pull it out. You look through the things. And there's the the envelope. And on the outside of those three letters that we all love, I-R-S, Right? I love you, Ray Lane Hoff. I see you. I know you're in here. IRS, Ray Lane, is. She bless her heart, she has to put up with IRS jokes all the time. A good day can go from a good day to a bad day in a hurry. Doesn't take much. Some of you are here this morning and you're getting ready to go into the valley and you don't even know it. It's right around the corner. And this is what Jeremiah said, disaster follows Disaster in an instant my tents are destroyed my shelter falls in a moment third thing about valleys valleys are impartial no one's immune to them nobody's insulated from the pain and sorrow none of us get to go through life and just skate through problem free you know you see that person you think man nothing bad ever happens to them i mean it just looks like everything's going great for them well you don't know that you don't know what's going on in their world you don't know the things you don't know the dark clouds that hover over them you don't know who's sick in their family. You don't you don't know what kind of whether their finances are good or not. There's a lot of stuff you don't know about people. Everybody has problems. Good people and bad people. Problems and trials, disturbances, difficulties doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're human. The Bible's very clear that good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people, it's the age-old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Valleys are impartial. That's why. Matthew said it rains on the just and the unjust too. You know, usually when we go through a rough time and we go through a valley, our first reaction is usually something to the effect of, why me? Why is this happening to me? But you know, honestly, you could ask, why not me? I mean, we, we tend to think that somehow we should be exempt from all of the struggles that everybody else goes through you know we watch this one go through this and we go watch that one go through that and we think "Wow, hope none of that stuff ever happens to me well that's just ridiculous i mean we're a part of the human race and stuff's going to happen things come up we have to navigate stuff should we be the only ones in the universe that never have a tragedy or a loss and you're tempted to say yes but we know better so instead of saying why me just realize it's going to happen and it's going to happen because i'm a human being this is not heaven. This is earth. This is not a perfect place. We're not, nobody gets out of here unscathed, okay? Bad stuff happens to us down here. You're thinking right now, boy, I, you know, I woke up and combed my hair and put on pants <laughs> to come to church this morning to listen to this guy tell me all this bad news. So let me give you some good news. Here's the good news. Valleys are temporary. Valleys are temporary. They have an end to them. They don't last forever. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley, the valley is not something that you stay in your entire life. You go through it. It's a circumstance. It's a situation. It has a season. And valleys have this tendency to look like these dead-end things. They have this tendency to look like they go on forever, and you just wonder, when in the the world am I ever going to emerge out of this thing? But really, they're like tunnels. You just keep pressing through you keep pressing through eventually you begin to see light and You begin to see that there's an end to it and it's going to pass I I know I've said this before in sermons. I I actually I think I say this quite a bit but one of the things that I say in times of trouble to people probably more than anything else in counseling When I'm praying with people when people tell me, you know, like really bad news and they're sharing stuff with me the, The thing I find myself saying more and more because it really is the truth is the sun is going to shine again Listen, if you're here this morning and you're going through something, and you're like, God, when is this going to be over? Hear me tell you, the sun is going to shine again. It is not going to be like this forever. At some point, you're going to look up and realize you've come out of the darkness, you've gotten through the valley, and the sun is going to shine on you again. It doesn't last forever. First Peter says it like this, There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while Down here Peter admits it he says look sometimes you're gonna go through the tough time because life is tough that's just the way it is but it's only tough for a while and there is joy ahead now he's talking about heaven that's what he's talking about see there are no dark times in heaven no valleys so while you may have it rough down here and there may be, be some trouble for you along the way down here you will not have problems like that in heaven and if you have a relationship with Jesus that's where you're going so here's here's the, a, a possibility for some of us. It's possible that you've been given some news and that news is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. You may have just been told that that you you've got or someone you love is sick and is going to be sick, and, and you know, it might even be a terminal thing. You you may have somebody has told you that, that you've got a something that you're gonna just have to put up with for the rest of your life. And it may be a 60 or a 70-year. Thing that you have to put up with and you'd say brett what about that what i would tell you is this is a brief period of time that we have to put up with this is a brief period of time where we walk through life for this 60 50 70 80 however many years god gives you if i live to be ninety-eight, somebody's gonna have to answer for that i do not want to be that old now if you're 90 don't take that the wrong way i just don't want to be that i want to see jesus is what i want to see but you may have been told hey you're just gonna have to you know my dad is going through some stuff and he it's not gonna get better just not gonna get better And, and one of the things I'm trying to remind him and remind mom just remind our family is hey this is a temporary deal we are only here on earth for a short period of time and you drop the 60 70 80 90 years that we're on the earth into the grand scope of eternity and that's nothing it's nothing Now, I know it seems big at the time, and you're like, Brett, it's easy for you to say you don't have to put up with it. I understand that. But there will be an eternity for us that will be free of these kind of things. 2 Corinthians says it like this, our troubles are short-lived, and their outcome is an eternal glory which outweighs them all. You know what he's saying here? He's saying pain can be productive. There will be a benefit to our problems if we respond the right way. There can be a long-term benefit, but you have to go through the valley and you have to respond to it correctly. Our valleys are often temporary, which leads to our fifth point. Valleys are purposeful. Valleys are purposeful. God has a reason for taking you through the valley. I don't know how many times I've asked God, God, would you just please teach me the lesson so we can get this over with? Could I, just, could I get whatever it is I'm supposed to get so that this will be over? I just want this over. Whether it's doubt or depression or defeat or some kind of discouragement, there's a reason behind it. Peter said, at the present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. He uses that word again, temporary. And then he goes on, he says, this is no accident. And I underline this part, it happens to prove your faith. What he's saying is God wants to build your faith, and what he's going to do oftentimes is he is going to use the valley to build that faith. We love the mountaintop, don't we? I am all about the mountaintop. Put me on the mountaintop. You, you, but you've got to climb to get to a mountain, first of all. But the problem with mountaintops is that's really not where faith gets built, at least not in my life. Faith in my life gets built in the valley. You see, when everything's going great, I'm hitting on all cylinders, there really are no problems, I get lulled into this place where I really don't think I need God. Or maybe it's not that severe, but I start thinking to myself, well, I'm good, I got it, I got it. You know, we're just kind of trucking through life and everything's great and you're not really thinking about God all that much. You know when you get driven to your knees? You get driven to your knees when the valley shows up. You get driven to your knees when it gets dark all of a sudden. Uh oh. Well, things were great here a few minutes ago, and I didn't feel the need to pray. But now, all of a sudden, let's pray. I mean, it's amazing how, when the valley shows up, we're all about praying. See, faith is strengthened in the valleys. It's strengthened in the valleys when you don't feel like serving. It's strengthened in the valley when you don't feel like praising. Like you, when you don't feel like trusting God. Faith is strengthened in those times when you come into it, and you're like, man, God. I, I, I mean just fix it and god's like no we you know there's some stuff i want to do here that's when our faith gets tested not not in the good times you say brett i want a deep strong abiding faith okay (laughs) that's going to mean some valleys that's going to mean some things have to change that's going to mean you're gonna have to go through some stuff here's today's message in two sentences i didn't put this on your outline you may need to turn your your little bulletin thing over and write these down but Number 1, if you want the sermon in two sentences, this is it. Every problem has a purpose. Every problem has a purpose, even the little tiny ones that seem inconsequential has a purpose. God is changing you. He's maturing you. He's teaching you. He's teaching you in the checkout line. He's trying to teach you some patience. Trying to clean up your vocabulary. Clean up your thought life. He's changing you. He's trying to mature you. When you've got the four-year-old and they're testing everything you've got, right? Like, I don't believe in spanking my kids. Boy, you really believe it about that time, don't you? He's trying to change you. He's trying to mature you when you're dealing with your husband and he's hard to deal with. He's trying to, he's trying to lead you through something. He's trying to show you, trying to mature you. Your teenager, was it Mark Twain that said, when we have kids, we should put them in a barrel, and feed them through the hole in the barrel. And then when they turn into teenagers, we should just stop up the hole. Is that, was, it teenage, was it Mark Twain that said that? That's bad. I shouldn't. That's. I don't. Not that I advocate that, but let's move on. Second thing you need to know: it's it's always dangerous to leave notes. Don't when you're a public speaker, you should always stay in your notes because that's when I'm getting in trouble. Second thing is this: this faith. Is built in the valleys first part of this every problem has a purpose second part of this faith is built in the valleys I'm about to say something that that I really don't want to say and I know before I say it you're not gonna like it okay so let's just get it over with God is far more interested in our comfort I'm sorry God is far more interested in our character than in our comfort or our convenience you hear that God is far more interested in our character than he is our comfort or our convenience you have no idea how badly I wish that were not true I mean I I get it I understand good character is a great thing I was just talking to a a good friend of mine who, who works as a police officer and he was just telling me some of the things he's seen in the last two months I mean if if we if everybody had great character, I know we need great character And if everybody had it, we wouldn't have to lock our doors at night If everybody had great character, we wouldn't have to guard our money and guard our possessions We wouldn't have to have fences and locks and things like that It would be much better But the truth is we live in a world That is devoid of great character So I get it. I understand that God wants us to have great character, but I love comfort and convenience don't you i mean the truth is you probably just went through a season where you received christmas gifts that had to do with comfort and convenience and you probably when you were thinking about the people you love and what kind of gifts you were going to give them for christmas you probably looked for things that would bring them comfort and convenience because those are the king those are the things we want those are the things we place high value on We we know that we should value high character, but we don't really stop to think about what brings high character. And one of the things that brings high character is the valley. See, God's goal in life is not to make everything comfortable for us. God wants to build character. He is far more interested in our holiness than he is in our happiness. Again, I wish that wasn't true, but I understand why it needs to be true. He wants us to be holy. Holiness lasts. Happiness doesn't. In fact, you're probably going to find happiness through holiness. God wants to make us like Jesus. He wants to develop in us the character of Jesus. Do you understand what a tall order that is? And if God is going to do that, He's going to have to take us through the circumstances and let us see some of the things that Jesus saw. Jesus was not exempt from suffering, He was not exempt from loneliness. He went through betrayal he was misunderstood he was accused falsely he was criticized of things about things what here's the question if you are a follower of Jesus what makes you think that somehow you're gonna follow Jesus and not encounter the very things that Jesus encountered you say I'm a follower of Jesus well listen if you're following somebody whatever they run into you're gonna run into You say, Brett, what are you saying? Are you you saying that God causes accidents and tragedies? No, that is not what I'm saying. God does not cause accidents and tragedies. He is good. He loves us. God cannot do evil. So, So does God cause tragedies and accidents? No. Does God, can God use tragedies and accidents for good? Absolutely. I think he does that all the time. He can even use the evil meant to do harm to us. He can take that and he can turn that around and he can use that to build the kind of character and the kind of holiness in us that he wants. So he definitely uses tragedies and accidents in life. So those are the five things. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are unpredictable. They are impartial. They are temporary and they are purposeful. But what are we supposed to do about them? That's what we're supposed to remember But what do we do do about them? What are we supposed to do when we go through the the dark valley and and the sun seems to stop shining and we're we're looking around wondering, you know, God, when are you going to show up and how long do I have to put up with this? Three things. David said this in the psalm, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's three things here I want us to, to, to focus in on. From this verse, we get three things we can do. Number one, refuse to be discouraged, refuse to be discouraged, some of you are in a valley right now, and you're very tempted to be discouraged, refuse to be discouraged, he says, I will fear no evil, how many of you remember, do you ever see one of these shirts, I think these are associated with rednecks, you ever seen that, anybody own, does anybody willing to represent and own that they own one of those, um, Truth be told, I mean, not that we're a bunch of rednecks around here, but I think Christians, that should kind of be their theme. If, we, if we're going to you know, take a, a, a page out of Psalm 23, I'm not going to be afraid. I will fear no evil. That's what the psalmist said. I will fear no evil. That's what someone who is a Christian, someone who puts their faith in God, that is what that person would say. David says, even though I walk through the valley, the, the darkest valley, I walk through the valley. I don't run through it. You know, I'm not. I'm not doing a fast walk. You know, whistling in the dark kind of thing. I walk through the valley because I fear no evil. I'm not afraid. I can't go around it. I can't go over it. I can't go under it. I've got to go through it. So David says, "I will fear no evil." I would have you circle that word "will" if, you, if you're following along in your Bible. Would have you circle the word will it implies choice it means there's a decision there i will fear fear no evil now what i'm about to say may sound a little heartless hopefully you know me well enough to know that i i always want you to leave here encouraged i don't ever want to say something to you that that makes you drop your head like oh man um, but but I, this needs to be said if you are here this morning and you're discouraged hear me you're choosing to be discouraged okay that's a choice one of the very few things that you have any control over in your life hear this very clearly one of the very few things that you have any control over in your life are the attitudes you choose every day you can't choose you can't control the weather you can't control your spouse you certainly can't control your kids you can't control what's gonna happen on the freeway you can't control what your boss is gonna do when you get to work you can choose and you can control your attitude and your attitude toward the valley you're going through is huge you say Brett you don't know my problems I don't have to I don't have to know your problems listen we've all got big problems we've all got stuff we're going through how you choose to go through that has a big deal, has a lot to do with the way you're going to manage and the way you're going to come out on the other side. Are you going to come out bitter? Are you Are going to come out not having learned anything? Are you going to come out not any holier, not any better character? Or do you choose to not be discouraged and you say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand why this is happening. I'm trying to learn whatever it is that you want to learn. God, just teach me, help me to be patient. Help me to trust you, help me to lean on you. Now listen, you say, Brett, that's so hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. I go through discouragement, too. I go through those times where I'm tempted to just throw my hands up and say, okay, this is the kind of day it's gonna be, great. Great. How you choose to go through the valley, what kind of attitude you take, has a lot to do with how you come out on the other side. But what happens with a lot of us is, We are choosing to not look at Jesus. That's the problem. See, we get focused on the negative, and and that's a choice, and and you you can choose to change. See, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to refuse to be discouraged, but that is a deliberate act. You say, Brett, how do I do that? How, How do I choose not to be discouraged? You do it. By by focusing on God and not focusing on your problem See what happens is we, we we tend to focus on the problem and the problem the more we focus on it The bigger it gets the bigger it gets the bigger it gets And the bigger our problem gets the smaller God gets But when you focus on God and you don't focus on the problem the bigger he gets and pretty soon You start to see it for what it is and you hold it up to God and you're like this isn't that big a deal God's bigger than this. God certainly has seen me through worse things than this before I'm not gonna fold up like a cheap tent now I mean I got God on my side it's it's all a matter of how you approach it I can take two people drop them into the identical situation it'll crush one and it'll propel the other one of them would be blown away by it the other one would be would be strengthened by it one of them falls apart one of them is strengthened by it they just they they excel it's just like it, it their faith grows the difference is what you're focused on you need to focus not on your circumstance but you got to focus on jesus not on the situation but on the savior not on the problem but on god's power colossians says it like this god will strengthen you with his own power so that you will not give up when the troubles come but you will be patient so don't give up listen human energy runs out you only have so much after a trial of so long you just got so much energy left you can only do so much on your own if you think you're going to navigate all the valleys of your life by yourself good luck with that you need a power source you need something beyond yourself so refuse to be discouraged number two you got to remember that god is with me the psalmist said you are with me god promises his power and he also promises his presence you will never go through a valley by yourself you will never go through a dark day alone god has said i'm going to be with you listen to what he said through through isaiah when you go through deep waters and great trouble i will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown when you walk through the fire of oppression you will not be burned the flames will not consume you God does not sit up in heaven and watch you try to navigate your valley, whatever it is, and go, boy, I hope they make it. You know, that? they're coming up on something there. I hope, they, I hope that goes okay for them. That's not what God's doing with you. He's with you in the middle of it. He's walking right beside you. Now, it may not always feel like it. You may not always, there's times when you have to just go on faith. I know that God is with me in this. It doesn't, I don't feel it. I, I, you know, it's, there's just times when you just you have a hard time sensing it or whatever That's when you've just got to have the faith to know that god is with you in the middle of it We've been in psalm 23 for this is our fifth week and It's an inter- we've been looking at the different verses. It's interesting in psalm 23 the first three verses It's written one way and then when you come into the fourth verse the language changes in the first part of this psalm, it's all about the, the pronouns are all third person. And he talks about God. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me in green pastures. He restores my soul. But the interesting thing is when he comes to verse 4, all that changes, and the pronouns now become second person pronouns, and now he's not talking about God, now he's talking to God. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, it's, it's the valleys of life that bring us face to face with God. It's the valleys that really get our attention and, and make us turn our attention toward God and away from whatever it is that's causing the problem. We, we, it drives us to our knees. If you talk to a mature believer, they will tell you that the times they have really felt the closest to God were in those times when they were going through something. I I can just tell you this, it is in the times when I've really struggled, it's in the the valleys where God has taught me the things that I use most in ministry. Now I'm sure God has taught me some things on the mountaintop, but God has not taught me near as much on a mountaintop as he has taught me in the darkest valleys, the deepest crevices of my life. When when everything got dark and the only thing I had was him, and he said, Brett, this is what you're going to learn, this is what I'm going to give you And I look back on my life, when I do counseling with people, when when people are sharing stuff with me and I'm trying to help them and I'm I'm talking with them, the stuff I use is the stuff that I would either just as soon forget, or it's the stuff that I went through that was so hard that I never thought I was going to get over. It's one of those things you go through and you're like, when is the sun going to shine again? That's when God is building something in me. That's when God is showing me something new. That's when God is maturing me as a believer. That's when he's given me the wisdom that I'm gonna need to navigate life either for myself, for one of my kids, or for you, or for somebody that's close to me. See, when you're in the valley, you're depleted. You're confused. And you're tempted to say, God, I just can't do it anymore. I'm in over my head. But when you start talking directly to God and God says, I am with you, you are not by yourself. See, we enjoy the mountaintops, but it's in those valleys when we come face to face with God. You will never be closer to God than you are when you go through the valley. Wish it was different. It's just not. That's the way God works. I don't think it's the way God works. I think it's the way we work. I think we invite him more. I think we're more attuned to what he might have to say whenever we go through the valley. So refuse to be discouraged. I will fear no evil remember god's presence for you are with me number three i rely on god's protection and guidance and both of those are important in the valley david says your rod and your staff they comfort me now we're not shepherds so we don't really know about this stuff we are unfamiliar with the rod and the staff i'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them the rod was about two feet long and what a shepherd would do is they, a, a shepherd would look for a long time to try to find just the right thing that he could carry as a rod. And what he was looking for was a stick about two feet long with a big knot on the end of it that was that had some heft and some weight. He could use it as a club. He could, he could use it. He got to a place where he got so skilled and so practiced with it. I don't know how they did it, but he, they would throw him. And the, the head of that that rod would lead, and with all that weight, it, whatever it hit, it would take out. So it became quite a weapon for the shepherd to have. So if it, he encountered a snake, or if he encountered a fox, or a coyote of some kind, or a wolf, you know, he, he was very adept at being able to use that rod and to protect his sheep, because that was his job. The, he, the, the shepherd's job is two things. I've got to move these sheep from here to there so that they can eat, and I've got to make sure that I do that in a way that they're safe. And so the modern-day shepherd doesn't use a rod. Modern-day shepherd carries a a rifle. But do you know what they call rifles in in the West? They refer to them as the rod, and that's where that comes from. It's a shepherding term. God will defend you and protect you. God fights for you. He is your defender and your protector. That's what the rod represents. Then David says, the staff comforts me. That's a little more familiar to us, I think. We're we're familiar with the shepherd's crook, right? Well, there's a couple of things going on with the shepherd's crook. He uses that to guide the sheep. He uses that to draw the sheep close to him. He uses that to, if a sheep is trying to cross a a creek or a crevice of some kind, he'll he'll hook it up underneath the belly and he'll help the sheep over the area that he's trying to get over. So, So it was used as something that he... It was a shepherding tool. It was a guiding tool. When you go through the valley, you are not going through the valley alone and you are going with a shepherd who has both of those things. He's got a rod to protect you and he's got a shepherd's crook to guide you. When we go through the the dark parts of life, the scariest parts are the shadows. David said, this is from the, the New American Standard, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I want you to notice, he did not say, I walk through the valley of death. It's not what he said. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Someday, a shadow is going to fall over your life. You may be here this morning, and the shadow, may. you'd say, Brett, I'm, I'm there right now. The shadow has fallen over my life. It is dark. It's not fun. This is hard. Help me. Here's what you need to remember about shadows. I'm going to give you three things and then we'll close. Number one, shadows are always bigger than the reality. Shadows are always bigger than the reality. Fear is always bigger than the actual problem. It's fear that makes our problem look enormous. If you are a parent, you're familiar with the idea of being called into the room because your kid saw a shadow on the wall. And what you can do is you turn the light on and you show them, look, here's, it's, what's causing the shadow is the teddy bear. What's causing the shadow is this trophy. What's causing the shadow is this, this, this branch outside the house on the tree. And if you can get them to see that it's the light casting a shadow, but the shadow is way bigger than it actually is in real life. It makes all the difference. So shadows are always bigger than the reality. Second thing is shadows cannot hurt you. Shadows cannot hurt you. you ever been run over by a shadow? That didn't hurt, did it? It's because shadows are image without substance. They cannot hurt you. They cannot scare you. They're just shadows. But here's the most important thing you need to remember about a shadow this morning. There is no shadow without a light somewhere. If there's a shadow, there's a light. We go through dark times and we tend to think that we're all alone and that God has forsaken us. But anytime there is a shadow, it means that there is a light somewhere. So here's a tip for your life if you're in the shadow right now. When you start to get afraid of the shadow in the valleys of life, here's what you need to do. Turn your back on the shadow and turn toward the light who is Jesus and the shadow will fall directly behind you. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You're looking, you're in the shadow, you're looking around, it's dark, you're afraid, I understand. But there is a light. And if you just will find the light, the shadow will be cast behind you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When you look at him, you will not be afraid of all the shadows around you. If you look toward the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look inward, you're going to be depressed. If you look at Christ, you're going to find rest. It's your choice. How many of you grew up going to church? Let me see. How many of you grew up singing hymns? All right, get ready. We're going to sing, okay? I'm going to start the song. I'm a horrible singer, but I'm going to start the song. First service did a horrible job with this, okay? So I'm really counting on you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And you are good even in the shadows, even in the depths of the darkest places, we find ourselves. Father, sometimes we find the, the valley of the shadow of death because of something stupid that we've done. And sometimes we find ourselves there because of something that's been done to us. And sometimes it's just life, it doesn't matter. We are prone to be afraid. When the shadow falls across us, we become scared. But the psalmist is right. You are with us. Your rod and your staff are there. Your presence is there. And you are going to protect us and you're going to provide for us. You're going to guide us and give us everything that we need or the temptation is that we would look to the left or the right that we would look at the problem and not at you and anytime we do that we blow our problems up they become bigger and bigger and you become smaller in our life father I pray that when we go through these times and some of us are in the middle of it right now that we would be focused completely on you and that as we do that the shadow falls behind us the problem gets smaller And we see that our problems are no match for our God. And Father, one day, at the end of a faithful life, we're going to be welcomed into your kingdom, and we will never know this kind of pain, this kind of shadow, this kind of valley ever again. And Father, we long for that day, but until then, we trust you, and we love you, and we worship you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.